like, I was like, you know what? If I'm a terrible daughter for like the rest of my life, I took my parents to Buckingham Palace. So like, <laughs> it was like a light bulb went on and I thought I can never find nude underwear. Frustrated by the lack of skin tone options for women of color, Nubian skin founder and our guest for today, Ade Hassan MBE, decided it was time for a different kind of nude, being featured in every major fashion publication, supplying the wardrobes of major productions in Hollywood, the West End, and on Broadway, and being selected to provide the underpinnings for the Beyonce Formation Tour. In four weeks, we went from 50 to 20,000 followers on Instagram. This is back in 2014. Hang on, so. hang on, hang on. Stay. You have some okay. connections to Beyonce. Do you want to tell us about what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Daring Forward, where we feature ordinary women doing extraordinary things and learn practical lessons and action steps to help you live courageously. I'm your host, Sahar Twesajay. Now, if you're ready, let's dare forward. What if starting a business could open doors and opportunities beyond your wildest dreams? If you think that it's too good to be true, then I'd love to introduce you to today's guest. We talk about how to validate your idea and fund your side hustle, the behind the scenes of going viral, celebrating the small wins and competing with massive retailers as a small business. Frustrated by the lack of skin tone options for women of color, Nubian skin founder and our guest for today, Ade Hassan MBE, decided it was time for a different kind of nude. Nubian skin has had an outsized influence on the fashion industry with many other parts of the industry realizing the need to be more inclusive. Testament to this are the milestones the company has achieved, such as being featured in every major fashion publication, supplying the wardrobes of major productions in Hollywood, the West End, and on Broadway, and being selected to provide the underpinnings for the Beyoncé Formation Tour. In 2017, Ade was awarded an MBE at Buckingham Palace for services to fashion. The award was made recognizing Ade's commitment to her mission to redefine nude and the impact she has consequently made on the fashion industry. Before we jump back into today's episode, I have a quick announcement for you. If you want to automate getting traffic, building your email list and making sales, then I've got just the thing for you. I've got a brand new workshop for you guys called Pinterest Traffic on Tap, where you'll learn the seven strategies every creative entrepreneur should know. It makes it easy for you to save hours of your time by creating a streamlined content creation workflow so you can automate getting traffic, building your list, and making sales with Pinterest. Now, I get it. If you've been hustling endlessly and wasting time on creating content that doesn't engage or convert into sales, then this is exactly why I created this workshop for you. Now, here's exactly what you get when you sign up for this workshop. You'll learn the three rules of making content that sells on Pinterest, creating viral idea pins decoded, the number one secret to designing pins that convert, the Pinterest Keywords Insider's Guide, Pinterest Profile Mistakes and How to Avoid Them, the proven Pinterest workflow system where we use AI and automation to streamline everything. And finally, you'll learn Pinterest analytics explained for creative entrepreneurs. Now, the total value of this workshop is £99, but the price for today is only £7. So at this point, you might be thinking there has to be a catch, right? But I promise you there's no catch. I am simply doing this because I want to help as many creative entrepreneurs get started with Pinterest marketing and avoid burnout. All you need to do is register and you can get started right away. Now, this workshop offer can't last forever. So 
I want to encourage you not to wait. And if for any reason you don't love it, I'll refund your money and you could still keep access to the workshop and get value from it in the future. So why wait? Start learning how to automate getting traffic and building your email list and making sales with Pinterest. Simply click the link in the show notes to get instant access. What were you doing before you started Nubian Skin and how did the idea come to you? So my um, my career path had been pretty straightforward. Um, went to university, did my master's, went into finance because that was something that had been really interesting to me and I wanted to do. And I did that for a couple of years, loved it, um, took some time off, then decided to uh, try management consulting because I had always wanted to start my own business. And I had thought, you know what, management consulting could be an interesting way of understanding how businesses work. Um, started doing that, realized pretty quickly that it wasn't for me. Um, yeah. But I remember um, the afternoon I got the idea for Nubian Skin. Like I still remember it. I was at a client site in the middle of Gloucestershire and I was sitting at a desk and there had been a bunch of different business ideas that had been swirling around in my head and nothing was really sticking. And I just remember the moment it was like a light bulb went on and I thought I can never find nude underwear. Like I just want new tights and I want a nude bra and I can never find one. So I start Googling and searching and literally, and I just like it dawned on me, nobody is doing this. And I knew I needed it. I knew that clearly there's so many other women of color who need it. Um, wow. And, and that was, mm. that was the moment that the idea sort of like came to me. Um, and then the idea sort of took a life of its own because it, it just, consumed me I was like yes this is this is it and that was the start of the journey and that was sort of when I realized okay this is the direction that my career is going to take for for a while. You know what I find amazing about this is that often I find that um, with entrepreneurs and founders is that the the genesis of the idea is is almost spiritual like mm. it's so intuitive like how I'm just fascinated by how the idea just came to you and also the fact that it's it's so specific and so niched. Like, mm. how did you then recognize that there was a demand for it? Because you know it was a problem for yourself. Did mm -hmm. you then have to research and find out if it was a problem other Black women were having as well? Or how'd yeah, you go absolutely. about that? So I obviously started, well, one, I was like, this can't be true. I was like, because it was a product wow. that I wanted. And so I just kept looking and searching and literally nothing um, mm. And I know there was a company that was doing like a couple of different nudes, but the darkest was like, like it just was not dark. And so I thought, mm. really, nobody's doing nude for like yeah. dark women? Like, what is this? And so, yeah, it was, you know, a lot of research. And then I started like trying to delve into like, okay, blogs about laundry. Like, is anybody talking about this? And I remember coming across this campaign and I think it was, like something about like what's my nude or where's my nude and it was a, a black woman in America who had been you know she had had the same frustration and she was sort of like it was a whole story about how she was like trying to campaign companies and shops to carry a nude that matched her skin tone but they couldn't because it didn't exist right so right okay. um so yeah that was like a really big thing was just doing a lot of research and saying okay is this actually does this product just really not exist and are there other people who were asking for it um and then there were um but there wasn't anybody providing it okay so you then definitely validated your idea 
through your research. So then how did you come about with starting? What what did that <laughs> process look like? I imagine it must yeah. have been really tricky. So that process took a little bit longer than I had anticipated. Um, okay. I was used to, um, so first of all, I knew I would need capital, right? I'd need money to start the business. So mm. I decided, you know what, I'm not enjoying consulting. This isn't something that I want to spend my time doing. I do love finance um, and I can make more money doing finance. And so I went back into finance, um, which was great. And I, like, it was a brilliant experience going back into that. Um, but I did go back with the purpose that I wanted to save money to fund Nubian Skin. Okay. Um, and I, so, you know, the first two years were just like head down, saving money. And um, I'd come up with the concept in the spring of 2011. I actively started working on Nubian Skin the spring of 2013, so about two years later. The whole time I'd sort of been jotting ideas as I had them, but I actively started working on it then. Okay. And it just, it was, I mean, I I had no experience. I had no experience in the fashion industry, no experience about lingerie. Fabric suppliers didn't make the colours that I needed. So it was literally starting with a completely blank slate. Okay. Um, and I was going to makeup counters to try and understand colours and like grouping colours and trying to match them to Pantone swatches, which didn't work, but it was a starting point. And mm. then it was a year and a half of developing the colours like let's not worry. Let's not worry about the product yet. But actually, what colors are we going to do? Because the colors are the most important thing. Mm. Um, so that was a year and a half process of visiting makeup counters, trying to match the Pantones, sending it off to the factory, fabric swatches coming back, and me going, "This doesn't look like human skin tone. Okay. Let's add some more red. Let's add some more yellow. Let's add some depth to it." So that was a year and a half long process. Um, at one point, I was literally boiling tights in like tea and coffee and of different strengths to try and find the color to send to the factory to be like, replicate this. This is my color. Um, wow. And so, yeah, that was that was that was, you know, the beginning of the colors. And then it was how do I find a manufacturer? And like, I don't have contacts in this industry. And when I would try to search online, I wasn't getting anywhere. So mm. um, I had a consultant who sort of coached me a little bit on how I find the industry and how to go to trade shows to sort of understand suppliers and manufacturers. It was, it was a lot, it was a, it was a process. It was a process. Um, and from the start of that, so from concept, which was 2011 to really actively, you know, like creating the company and starting trademarking, which was 2013, that was two years. And we didn't launch until October, 2014, which is about another year and a half after that. So okay. from idea to, you know, the first product moving out the door was um, was three and a half years. So then you launched in 2014. Exactly. What was that like? So, uh, um, that was, you know, what I look back at that time and I, it, it was absolute madness. Like mm. I just, um, we, I finally got my first product samples in the summer of 2014. And I remember in August 2014, I um I did a photo shoot with four beautiful models and it was so much fun and I had the first product on them and I was just like oh my goodness I can't believe this is happening and I did an amazing amazing shoot uh, which I like directed and styled and did all of that on my own um, with a great photographer and then I went on holiday and at that point I had about 50 followers on Instagram so then I um, put this like picture of four women up um, on Instagram mm -hmm. and went on a holiday for a week 
my phone kept buzzing and I was like, oh my goodness, I've got a hundred followers on Instagram. This is so exciting. Like uh, we didn't have product yet. Yeah. And then at the end of the week I had a thousand. I was like, whoa, this is like, whoa, there's a lot more people than I was anticipating. <laughs> and then in and then and then it went viral um, because people just hadn't seen images like that. And so in four weeks, we went from 50 to 20,000 followers on Instagram. This is back in 2014. Hang so on, hang on, hang on. Say that again. You went from 50 to how how many? 20,000 in four weeks. Um, and all of a sudden, and bear in mind, at this point, it's just me. And I, like, I didn't even have an intern at that point. And so um, wow. I, and I was still working, by the way. And so all of a sudden, the images are taking off, taking on a life of their own. Um, and I'm getting like inquiries, like the mail on that, Daily Mail, um, Cosmopolitan people are like, hey, can you put us through to your press department? Um, we want image rights. We'd like to do an article about this. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, please um, just email press at nubianskin.com. And then I'd like go into like my Google like admin thing, and be like, create press at nubianskin.com. And I'd be like, hey, yeah, sure, of course. Like, here are the image rights. Like, here are the images and please credit this photographer, blah, blah. Like, it was mad. And everything took on a life of its own. We didn't even have the website yet. So we were just capturing emails. And then a couple of months later, we actually launched the product. Um, and I just remember that time being this insane whirlwind of like being so excited because mm. people cared, being absolutely terrified because I was like, people think I'm a big company and it's just me. <laughs> I think at that point, I think I'd hired like in September, I hired an intern. So it was, it was amazing. It was a really amazing period of just like, you know, learning to what it's like sink or swim like desperately trying to tread water. FYI, if you want to learn how to start your own business from someone who's already done it, Ada is sharing her zero to launch framework for starting your business along with her eight part toolkit. To access the private training and download the toolkit, click the link below if you're watching on YouTube or in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. That is incredible. So you, all of this was happening while you were working. Now, how did that transition period look like? And mm. how did you transition from it being a side hustle to quitting and doing it full time? Yeah. So, I mean, I had I had been pretty structured. So I'd gone into finance knowing that, OK, I'm starting at this job and I'm going to do it for a finite period of time and I want to save money. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And like I had an amazing um, team and it was it was just it was like a really wonderful and that experience was great in and of itself. Mm. Um, and I remember the summer, so that was must have been about June, July of 2014, um, I had a word with the head of the team and said, hey, listen, um, I've got something going on and I would like to, um, like I'm going to completely focus on my clients. Like they won't know that I'm, you know, not in the office full time, but would I be able to like work 50, like, be in the office 50% of the time and I'll never ever drop a ball on anything. And and he said, yes. And and so that was like mm. amazing. Um, and so I could sort of like have a little bit more flexibility because things that summer started like heating up and I just had to run the business yeah. um, and respond to inquiries and like get actually get it to the point where we could launch. Um, and so I stayed with them until the end of the year. Um, there was a fund that I was working on. And when that closed in December, 
um, that was sort of like a natural end point for me to then focus full time on Nubian skin. Okay. And would you say at that point, did you feel like it was a risk to start doing it full time? Or were you, in a sense, a little bit comfortable with where it was financially and kind of taking that leap? Oh, I mean, it was still a massive risk because, mm. um, I mean, at that point, I wasn't paying myself. I mean, I had savings because I thought ahead, but like, I wasn't paying myself. And, you know, it was a fledgling business. But I also wasn't married, didn't have a mortgage, didn't have children. And so I had an incredibly high risk tolerance. Yes. I think I got a relatively high risk tolerance anyway, but I had a very high one then because I was like, worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go back mm. into finance, which is something I enjoy anyway. So like, um, so I didn't have very many responsibilities outside of myself. Um, and obviously this business I was trying to grow. So my risk tolerance was pretty high. Okay. So what did the next phase look like after launching? What oh was the, the growth? And then, and, you know, talk about all the things from scaling and getting more sales to building a team. Like what did all of that look like? Um, it was, again, I didn't really have expectations, but I also was surprised at every turn. Mm. Um, one, you then become, when you start a business, you then start to realize that, okay, I've ha I've worked for a lot of years. It's great. I know I can work hard, but my goodness, like I'm dealing with like, I'm responsible for rent. I'm responsible like if I want my tiny office to be clean, like I've got to clean it. If mm. I need to sort out getting rid of waste, like I've got to do that. If I've got to figure out paying the government, the tax they're owed, like I've got to. So all of a sudden you're like, yeah, this is no longer a job. This is like 10 jobs. All the things which <laughs> other people dealt with when I worked in, you know, larger companies, yeah. like I had to do. And so that, that was overwhelming. Um, you know, and then being responsible as an employer. So I only had, the team was only two people for a very long time. Um, then it was just getting comfortable with just never knowing. Because at least, you know, when you sort of have a set career, you know what you're supposed to do when you're learning from, you know, other people maybe who are more senior. At this point, it was like, I don't know anything and I have to learn how to do it because it needs to be done. And so it was a shock to the system. Um, and it was... Like, I'll be very, very, very frank. Mm. I was used to working hard, but I had not worked hard in that way. Um, and, you know, people always talk about, oh, how do you have, like, balance? There was no balance. Mm. Like, I was living, breathing, eating, sleeping, this thing. Um, and it was terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying because you sort of see, you're like, okay, sales are coming in. But then you're like, whoa, I just had no idea that, like, businesses can chew through so much money so quickly. Yeah. Um because it takes a lot of money to, if you're doing something like fashion where you have to like manufacture and hire, you know, like it's, it's capital intensive. Mm. Um, so it was just that initial period was a lot about me saying, saying yes, because exciting opportunities happened, right? Because when you have a novel, really innovative um, idea, you then get approached by people because what you're doing is interesting. And so it was this interesting dichotomy of some companies um retailers approaching us who I was like in my life I never thought that I would be like you know hanging out in ASOS offices speaking to the head buyer right like people like that who were on it and they were like we'd love to stock you wholesale I had never even thought about wholesale stocking um and so then really having to understand that saying yes and then figuring out how do you do this yeah. 
And on the other hand, you also then were like, okay, I'm doing wholesale now. I need to find retailers. But then retailers just not being open to that. So you had some retailers who were like way ahead of the curve and others who were like, why would we need other news? Mm. Like, what are you talking about? And so there was that like resistance of like, like a lot of rejection actually, Um, you know, but also being really heady because people want to talk about you and write about you and, there was a point where I thought, okay, we're getting all this press and people think we're like amazing, but this is a small, like tiny micro business. Mm. And, you know, I'm getting all of this attention. And then like you start getting like a bit of imposter syndrome of like, okay, I'm doing something cool. I'm doing something new. And yeah, it's amazing. But also like these massive, you know, like publications are writing about me and it's like, I'm just trying to like figure out how to make this business work. And so it was, there was just so much happening. There was a lot of, I'll say yes to it, and then I'll figure out what I've just said yes to and figure out how to do it because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of learning on the fly. It was a real baptism by fire um, and uh, living your dream. Like dreams can also be nightmares, right? Mm. So like living your dream never always looks like pretty. Yes. Um, sometimes like what's under the surface is like some real grit and hard work and you've just got to have a lot of tenacity. Yeah, you you said something there. I mean, you said a lot in there that I could go into, but one thing that stood out at me was uh, you mentioned having imposter syndrome. So Mm. how did you manage that? Because that can really be quite crippling for some people. And how did you manage that? And would you say that it gets easier with time? I think, I don't know necessarily if I would say that it gets easier with time. I think you learn to manage it better Mm. with time. Um, I also think some of it is around expectations that you put on yourself. So I had, have, <laughs> um, I definitely had like probably relatively like very, 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 very high personal expectations. When I look back now, I'm like, whoa, like you accomplished so much with so little. Like, and I can acknowledge that mm. um, because yeah. like doing what I did was phenomenal. Um but I also discounted a lot. So um, I spent a lot of years having like amazing achievements, hitting really cool milestones, um, getting amazing awards. And I just never celebrated them okay. or even acknowledged them because for me it was like, okay, yeah, this is great. I just won like Great British Entrepreneur of the Awards. And then I'm like, I've got to go to the warehouse and like build like units because we've decided to do stuff in house or you know it's like you find out you're like oh my goodness I'm gonna get like an award from the queen for services to the fashion industry like this is amazing and and I'm like it is amazing I'm so excited that I'm also like oh my goodness like how am I gonna like pay for the new like so it was just constantly like not now I'm much better at that now I'm much better at saying okay you know what celebrate the wins because it's all part of the journey and like yes you need to be cognizant of like problems that are going to arise or things you need to deal with but also like remember it's just part of the journey it's not like the end of the world because I I focused a lot on like these are problems versus like hey look at Mm. all you've done um because I remember being interviewed by somebody um and and they started listing off things they were like and this happened 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 and I said I was like oh my goodness I was like thank you saying all of that you needed to hear it I just it it hadn't like registered and she was just like you're are you okay I was like well 
<laughs> I mean, it just hadn't registered. And so, yeah, I think sometimes it's really, you you have to like give yourself kudos and really take the time to, to give yourself those kudos because it's a big part of the journey. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I think it's a real struggle for so many people, this uh, celebrating the small wins, because I think, it, mm. especially when you're a driven and ambitious person, the temptation is always to either problem solve or look into the next thing to achieve. So I really appreciate you actually mentioning that. What was it like getting awarded by the Queen? That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. Sometimes I like think back, I'm like, you know, like that happened to you. Like, yeah. do you realize that happened to you? Um, it was, it was really lovely. I had, um, remember that was in 2017 and I'd um, been having just like, it was a tricky period because we'd like tried a bunch of different stuff as far as um, manufacture. We changed the way we manufactured. We changed the way we were distributing things. And so there was just like a lot of things that were happening. And so I felt like I was always stressed. And then I remember taking this like a short mini break with my husband and a couple of friends. Um, and my sister uh, was over at my parents' flat and like some post had come in for me. And she was like, oh, you've got something here. And it's saying like Her Majesty's like whatever. And I was like, oh, so the tax service here is called Her Majesty's yes, Revenue yes. and Customs, right? And so I thought that I was like, oh, okay, it's HMRC. Yeah. They've been sending me letters telling me that my um, annual return is overdue. That's like my personal taxes. And I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, rubbish. I was like, can you just open it and tell me what the fine is? Like, I'll deal yeah. with it when I get back. Yeah. She opens it and she's like, OMG, 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 OMG. And I was like, oh my goodness, it can't be that high of a fine. Like, it's not that late. Like, just. And then she sends me a screenshot or like a picture. And it's literally like, you have been nominated to receive an MBE um, for services to fashion. I, I remember I was in Mykonos Airport and I burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> because I was just like, it had, you know, like we'd got on that trip because I was just like, okay, I'm really stressed. Like I just need to like decompress and like yeah. have some time away. And then like, obviously then I'm like, oh, and on top of this, like I'm getting fined for not filing my taxes on time. And then, and then like you get that. And I was like, my brain was just like, I cannot compute cute tears. Like, but it was just, and I remember it was that phrase, um, services yeah. to fashion being somebody who's like an outsider with no experience, with no connections within the industry and like having something like that saying the impact that you made through your idea and your company is a service Come to the fashion on. industry. Come I was on. like, Ugh. wow. So that was, yeah. So that, I mean, and, that, and then you can't talk about it. It's embargoed for like another, oh, like, okay. it's like embargoed for like another... It, like goodness yeah for another fair few months um, oh that's really hard so, to do like that is like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so obviously my yeah. sister knew but then like and my husband knew but like I couldn't yeah. tell anybody else um, like not even my parents my parents, my dad would start talking about it to everyone yeah. he knew if he knew so um <laughs> but yeah when it then got announced it was just oh it oh. that was a really lovely feeling and that was one where I did celebrate yeah. I mean Maybe not to the extent I should have, but I definitely celebrated. And, and you get like, you go to Buckingham Palace and, um, you know, you're awarded with like all these other really cool people. And um, and I got to take my parents and they won their like, they wore their beautiful traditional 
Yoruba like outfits oh. and I was like I took my I was like you know what if I'm a terrible daughter for like the rest of my life I took my parents to Buckingham <laughs> Palace so like <laughs> so yeah they, it was it was beautiful so was good beautiful. Really so lovely. to everybody watching the next time you get a HMRC letter from the tax guys just <laughs> just keep an eye out oh my gosh that is amazing <laughs> wow okay So let's shift the conversation to maybe some of the hard Mm. things that you faced in your journey. You know, with a product like yours, I imagine that people might have other companies try to copy what you're doing. Mm. Like, tell me about that. And that was something which for quite a few years just caused me severe anxiety. So we're a tiny, tiny business. Obviously, the colors are completely proprietary as in like I created these colors. Um, oh, and then, so it, were the colors like, Did was that the trademark patent? Like, how do you um, protect that? It's very, very hard to protect a okay. color. Um, and so, but like they were colors that I created. So they don't exist in like a Pantone book or anything oh, like wow. that. Oh, um, wow. So essentially the only way to get the color is to copy it. Okay. <laughs> um, send it off to a factory and copy it. Um, and so... Uh, especially around, I'd say, 2017. So there's probably about like two to four years after we launched, um, we then would get orders. We'd get orders and sometimes it would be very blatant, Mm. like very blatant, i.e. head of product development, X company, um, or, you know, and they've ordered all of our colors. And these are like huge companies. Um, Sometimes we'd then get orders which... You're like, why have they ordered a bunch of different sizes and a bunch of different colors like that? Like orders that didn't make sense. Um, and then, you you know, we like somebody on the team would like Google the address and they'd be like, oh, gosh, this is like massive. Like, I see. Over okay. here. Or essentially every single um, and, and that was really, really that. And I would literally just like, you know, like almost like have palpitations because I was like, I have no okay. protection here. Um, like mm. we're tiny or my capital is tied up in like just trying to like keep the business yeah. going and um, pay for products, um, pay for manufacturing, pay for components. Like I, I can't fight this. Um, and now I know how to deal okay. with that a lot better um, because that's kind of like the world that we live in in mm. the fashion industry. But essentially, if any company has a color that is remotely decent mm-hmm. for darker skin tones, I can probably send you the receipts of when they really a hundred percent like uh, anyone you think of wow anyone okay um and so that is you know and that's a really challenging thing I think it's really hard to be the mm. first mover um because you take up all the costs and it's all yeah. your time on um you know developing something and so for these companies they come in and they're like okay fine like whatever I spend like 50 pounds on buying some product and I'm like no what you've stolen is years of development and research and ideas. Okay. And so that, you know, that was a really bitter mm. pill to swallow. Um, but it is, you know, it, it, that's it. That's kind of like the blessing and the curse of being first mover is, you, you know, when you, you're innovative and you're celebrated for that. But it does mean that everybody else then piggybacks off of you whether or not they choose to um, do it in a way that's respectful. Because all of these places could have just said, 
we'd love to collaborate with you. Like, we'd love to do a special, you know, and that would have been, like, a beautiful way of celebrating yeah. a small, Black-owned, female-led business. But most of the time, people are just looking at the bottom line. Um, and so they steal from small companies, which yeah. is, which happens a lot. Oh, gosh. So then how do you differentiate and stay, you know, like, when you're a small business, as you're saying, mm-hmm. competing with all these huge retailers, what would you say is the thing that you have that keeps people coming back? Of course. Well, I think authenticity is uh, is something that, ca- it's like, you can steal just about anything, but you can't yes. steal that. So being the person, you know, who created it and being um, really authentic. I mean, everything, we're still a mm. tiny team. And so everything we do comes from the heart. And I think that comes across in our messaging, comes across in our imagery. Mm. Um, we have always been, like, the one thing that I, always say to people is I wish every woman could come to like a Nubian skin photo shoot because it's such as like and when we get this feedback from like all the models we work with they're like it's just so positive you know you have like these beautiful bodies you've got like these beautiful skin tones and it's just it's this pure celebration it's not like oh you need to do this or you need to like look this way it's just like you look that way and you look Mm. amazing and we're celebrating your skin and we're oh it's I wish I could bottle that Uh. feeling and sell it because it's just it's it's really Mm. lovely and I remember once when I was pregnant the photographers and the models got me to they were like you need to get in front of the camera we were shooting this really cool campaign they were like you need to get in here and so I then was on the other side Uh. I wasn't like there like director I was on the side and I was like this is amazing (laughs) It's like, you know, they're all just like doing what like uh, me and my team are usually doing for them. They're like doing to me. And I was like, this is wonderful. You know, they're like, you look great. You're beautiful. It's like we're being long bomb like behind the camera. So I think that like the authenticity, Mm. our colors are Mm -hmm. perfection. Because we we were like, we created the colors. Like the colors are perfection. Um, Like you will not get a better skin tone match. Like they're just beautiful, beautiful skin tone colors. And then also we have a broad range of sizes, especially when it comes to fuller bust, um, because a lot of women of color are fuller bust. Um, And so a lot of the brands, you know, who maybe say, okay, we do all these different skin tones. If you actually then look at their offerings for the support, um, not just like, you know, we do 5X, but like the actual like, okay, you might do 5X, but do you do like a 30G cup? Mm. no you don't um because that's where a lot of people um when it comes to bras specifically that's a really big issue is actually finding something in your color but then also with the actual sizes and it's something that we're still looking at expanding even further because we know that we we still have work to do there um speaking of bras i know that at some point you introduced softies into your product line can you for those who don't know what Mm. they are can you explain what they are and like how how did that partnership come about of course and so so a softie is um it's a medical prosthesis so um a lot of times not a lot of times but sometimes when a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer they have to remove the breast um in order you know as as part of her treatment um and so when that happens um the first prosthesis they're given is called a softie and it is a um it's essentially a mound um, it's a fabric-covered mound which you put into your bra to to maintain symmetry mm. between both breasts. Uh, and a lot, and sometimes a lot of women, 
just use that as opposed to getting reconstructive surgery or using the heavier, denser, more permanent prosthesis. A lot of them will just choose to okay. use a softie for the rest of their life. Um, but it is that first thing you're given after the surgery to help you sort of like mm. feel whole again. Oh, goodness, it must have been about two years ago. Um, I was approached by an amazing doctor called Natalie Johnson. Um, and she works at the Royal Marsden, um, which is a huge cancer yeah. institution here in the UK. And she said, Ade, I have so many patients who are coming in and we have to give them um, sort of beige colored mm -hmm. prostheses. And they look down and they're already so vulnerable and they see this sort of like pale ivory or beige colored thing against their dark skin. Oh, and wow. it breaks them. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and I've reached out to the providers of these softies and nobody's come back to me. Can you help? I have no medical <laughs> knowledge um, or mm. experience, but I was very similar to when I started. I was like, absolutely, we'll figure it out. Like, I'll do it. And so then the Royal Marsden, she then, and so I did, a, my team did a bunch of work in developing um, softies and like the colors and what, you know, and the shapes. And then she submitted it to the Royal Marsden. They had this sort of innovation den and they said, mm -hmm. absolutely, we'll fund this. Um, it was a pilot program. And um, and so we did it. We, we um, did a, a small pilot program of creating these softies in our four colors. And I know for me, like I've lost an mm -hmm. aunt to breast cancer and I have an aunt who's survived. Um, in my team, um, one of my team members has... Um, a grandmother who's had a double mastectomy. Um, and so it was a very yeah. personal thing for the whole team. Uh, and I, yeah, I remember speaking to um, Sarah Adoma, who was the breast care lead nurse at the Royal Marsden, who was working on the project and she'd done a bunch of research around, you know, it being part of care and well-being for all patients. And she just said, how amazing it was when she was finally able to offer them, um, the patients, something that matched. Like it just made such a huge mm. difference for their well-being and their care. And so that is what a softie is. <laughs> Sorry, I could talk about it all day. It's a really, really cool project. And we did the Royal Marsden project, and 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 that's been amazing. And we'll be launching the pro the softies on our website so that um, people who aren't patients of the Royal Marsden will be launching those in February at the end of this month. And so, um, but yeah, the, the softy project was, that was one of those things where you go, you know what, this has been a journey because it has been a journey, but you go, even if it was just for that. That's so beautiful it. to hear. And um, actually when um, we got you on the show, I actually saw a f the footage of you on the BBC, I think when you partnered with the doctor and you were talking about it. And I remember thinking, I have to have her on the podcast so she can make it. And it meant a lot to me, actually, because um, I lost my mom to breast cancer. And I also have wow. my sister who's a survivor of breast cancer. So it's it's such an amazing yeah. and beautiful thing. And I wish that I knew about it and it was available Thank at the you. time. <laughs> but, you know, you're going to have course, such an impact in such a beautiful way to to women that need it. So just thank you for that. Let's end with my final question, which is a bit of a fun fact about you. Apparently, you have some <laughs> connections to Beyonce. Do you want to tell us about what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my gosh. I mean, I wish I had more of a personal collection to be able to say, but so fun. Um, yeah, that was goodness. That was in. It was that was fun. It was um, twenty sixteen, the year yes. of the formation tour of formation fame, and I remember that had come out, and obviously that was just such a like beautiful celebration mm. of blackness, like that whole album and everything that went into it, and the symbolism and so much of what she did was like the people and that she surrounded herself with and used in the tours and everything was like very much like black owned and celebrating blackness so the whole like that point there was just there's two of us and an intern and we're all like Beyonce fans and I get an email and it's like hey you know we love your brand um you know Beyonce's use your stuff we we want to, we'd love for you to like supply stuff for the formation tour and I was like delete <laughs> Clearly, that's a scam. <laughs> I was just like, that's a scam. Like, somebody is just trying to, like, I was like, this is just, like, things like oh, that don't no. happen. Like, whatever, so let's move on. And then I was like, huh. <laughs> I have a few friends who are stylists. I was like, maybe I'll just, like, forward them the email to be like, have you heard of this guy? Because I'm like, yeah. I don't know who this person is. I was like, have you heard of this guy? Because also the other thing is a lot of stylists don't, like, like, they just have, like, normal Yeah, they don't have websites you know, or like you anything. Kind of think, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right? And you think, like, oh, it would be, like, I don't know, like, BeyonceStylist.com or something, like, yeah. super legit. As opposed to just, like, a <laughs> random personal email. So I was like, this isn't, like, yeah. this isn't legit. And so I forwarded the email to a couple of friends who I know who are stylists and stuff. And I was like, have you ever heard of this person? And they like, respond, I think one of them in, like, all caps being like, respond right now. Like, this, like, yes, like, he is, like, totally legit. And so then I, and so then I was like, oh, yeah. Because it was, like, a few days later, I was like, um, you know, I would, lo- like, love to work with you and da 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 And then he's like, yeah, yeah, this is great. He's like, these are the sizes we need. These are the numbers. Like, and then, like, they just placed an order. And I was like, this is, like, did, did Beyonce's team just place an order for me? Like, what's going on? So then we didn't hear from them for a while. Like, obviously, everything yeah. got delivered. And then the images started coming out the tour. from um, mm-hmm. the Formation tour. And it sort of, I was like, ah, because there were so many things that were sort of, like, cut out or, um, like, cut, you know, most of her dances yeah. are black. And so they were, like, cut out or, like, just things where they would have been exposed. Um and I'm looking at it and I'm like scrolling in, like looking at pictures of Beyonce and I'm like, and I'm like, so I like, sent like downloaded a bunch of the pictures and I sent them to um And I'm like, um, yeah, I was like, is this what I think it is? And he's like, a hundred percent. I was like dying. Like we were just, oh yeah, that was really, really, really cool to be involved in that. That, that is amazing. incredible. I can only imagine the emotions. Oh my goodness. Like, I love how things just happen to you. Like these wild, like the queen <laughs> just reaches out. Then Beyonce <laughs> just reaches out. Like, I'm I'm eagerly waiting for the next one. Yeah. You need to share that with us. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, that was cool. And also, I didn't get tickets. I didn't get tickets to the show. And so then in, Lon- in London, her wardrobe, um, the like wardrobe mistress was like, oh, we need like a top off of some stuff. She's like, oh, are you coming to the show? And I was like, yeah, I didn't get tickets. She's like, I'll see. So you got to go? <laughs> So then I got two free tickets to the show. I was like, this is so this is, I mean, I'm so glad that you didn't get to pay for it like you were. Yeah, that's awesome. Well done. That's fantastic. Yeah, oh, my goodness. You. All right, we're going to wrap up the show. So, Ade, we have a mm-hmm. game that we like to play at the very end called Give Me Three. And you're supposed to speak okay. before you think. Okay? 
You ready? So I'm going to ask you、oh, one question at a time. So, three questions. Speak okay, before speak you before think and give me three answers <laughs> to each question. Yeah? Oh, ready? Okay. Okay. Try.、Uh, give me three signs you aren't ready to become a parent. I am a parent. <laughs> well, now you know what it takes to be one. So, three signs you're not ready. Oh, <laughs>、uh, right.、Yeah. Okay, three signs you're not ready.、Um, you can't, can't get out of bed, e v e r Um, you're not able to feed yourself because you'll need to feed your、yep. child like all the time. And、um, you still are enjoying going on holiday at the drop of a dime. Like, yeah, that's a hard one. That's a hard one to get over, man. Okay. Give me three ways to get out of the friend zone. How did you bag the <laughs> husband? <laughs> Tell us all. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, my husband is the one who got out of the friend zone.、Oh, so he's、I、probably、see. giving you these answers. But I would say, One, just make a move. Make, the move. make a、Come、move. <laughs> make a move to be、yeah. persistent. In, not in like a crazy way, but just like be, be, <laughs> be, be present, not persistent,、okay. be present. Because like, sometimes it's just a matter of time. Okay.、Um, and then be an optimist because, you know, you've got to have some hope. I like, that's good. I like be present because it can take time. Solid advice. Took seven years, seven years. Seven years for you guys. Woof. Yeah. Woof. So <laughs> he was very present. <laughs> well done to him, honestly.、Um, give me the three worst ways to propose. Oh, honestly, those people who like do stuff, you know, like in public,、yeah. where they've like put, they're like, will you marry me at like a massive like football match? Like terrible, terrible.、Okay. Like that's like, don't do it. You have to be super confident.、Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. I can't come up with three. That's、Fair、just、enough. like the worst thing to me. Don't propose do. at a public game. Three times. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, uh, Ade. Um, before you head off, can you tell everybody who's either listening or watching today where they can find you and Nubian Skin? And do you have anything that you're launching at the moment that you can tell everybody about? Well, you can find us at nubianskin.com, that's our website. And all of our handles on social media are at Nubian Skin. So, whether that's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, it's just at Nubian Skin.、Um, and at the end of this month, I know we talked a lot about the softies. We're going to be launching them so that they're available to individuals.、Um, so, the pilot program has now ended and, and it was a success. And so, we'll be launching those、um, so individuals can buy those on our website. So,、um, Yeah, that's something that we're really, really excited to be able to provide for people. Amazing. Well, I am so glad you've come on the show. You have been an absolute joy. I'm so honored to have you bless us with your presence today.、Um, oh, thank so thank you. you.、So、thank、kind. you so much for today. Thanks for having me. One last thing before you head off today, don't forget that you can access Ade's exclusive Zero to Launch training and eight part toolkit below if you're watching on YouTube or in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. All the resources mentioned in the show are linked below if you're watching on YouTube and linked in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then I want to invite you to help us spread our message by choosing one of four ways. One, subscribe to the YouTube channel or the podcast. Two, leave a review if you're listening to the podcast. It really helps. Three, let me know in the comments below what the key takeaways were for you in today's episode. And four, Share this episode with one friend who could use a little bit of courage today. And if you want to binge our episodes, may I suggest you watch this episode right here if you're watching on YouTube. 
that's it. Until next time, don't forget to live courageously and dare forward.